questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Are non-human intelligences assisting humanity to evolve into a new aware species? Did you know there is an exponential increase in indigos or crystal children, children with ADHD, dyslexia, Asperger's, and autism? Are they new programs for humanity? Greetings. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas at VeritasRadio.com. Tonight, we share with you stories from families, children, and adults about their encounters with non-human intelligences and their understanding of an intimate connection genetically with our special guest, Mary Rodwell, who doesn't require a formal introduction since you already know who she is. But if you need to read her bio and find her website, they are linked at veritasradio.com. Her new book is now available and is titled The New Human, Awakening to Our Cosmic Heritage. And Mary Rodwell joins us directly from Queensland, Australia. Hello, Mary, and welcome back to Veritas. How are you? I'm very well, Mel, and it's always wonderful to talk with you. Likewise, your new book, The New Human, Awakening to Our Cosmic Heritage. When I read your dedication to your grandchildren, I thought Mary must be the nicest, most caring, and the coolest grandmother. <laughs> you truly care about the children on Earth, don't you? Well, when you anyone who's a grandparent will know exactly why I feel that way. I mean, they're our future anyway, but these delightful new souls coming to the planet and they're coming with such enthusiasm for life and you know that they they are looking for a wonderful future and at the moment I'm a bit concerned about what what, what legacy the rest of us older hum, older generations of human are leaving behind so for me it is it's about our future but it's also about our beautiful um grandchildren and the future children of this planet you've written many books why did you write this new book a very good question. Um, apart from being hassled by everybody, when are you going to write another book, Mary? Um, it's because when you gather so much information, so much research, quite honestly, you can do as many presentations um, at conferences as you like and you can do as many interviews as you like. But ultimately, there is so much information that you collate from, you know, people from all over the globe. It seems like part of the mission has to be that you, you know, to put that together in a way that others can benefit from that information. It's no good if I just know this. It's no good. It's no good if only a few people know this when they can have this information. And when you're reaching, you know, so many people who are questioning, have families, have these children and are really seeking some answers or some understanding. For me, I feel it's part of the mission, really, um, for all of us, like yourself, Mel, you, you know, you're doing it in your way through your radio interviews, which are, you know, are another way of, of helping the rest of humanity understand. So for me, that's the mandate. You know, I, I feel like, you know, um, there's no such thing as retirement for people like ourselves. We'll probably be still doing this before they actually close the coffin lid. <laughs> exactly. That's how I always say. Now, let's talk about before we get into the cases, you have great, great research and cases in your book. But before we go there, let's talk about the evidence regarding anomalies in human DNA, DNA research by whistleblowers, uh, geneticists confirm human DNA has been spliced 
unaltered. I think of the work of Lloyd Pye, Brian Forster with the Paracas in, in, in Peru. You know, this program is not about my opinion, Mary, but I have to say that when I go to a natural history museum and I see a caveman or a cavewoman, Lucy, I cringe. I cringe because we haven't seen any evidence in the fossil record showing an ape transitioning into human. I personally don't buy the theory of evolution or the Big Bang, but that's for another program. I do, however, feel that our DNA has been tampered with. What does your research tell you? I absolutely concur, Mel, with what you're saying. And, you know, I, I don't consider myself any more um, more than intelligent than anybody else, but it doesn't take a brain surgeon to work out that we're not being told the truth. And there is so much evidence out there for anyone who chooses to look. You know, you talked about Lloyd Pye and the star child skull, um, where they found so many anomalies, including the mitochondrial DNA of that, that particular skull found in Mexico that appeared to be non-human. But, you know, we've got whistleblower geneticists talking about this. In Lloyd's Pie book, there is a whistleblower geneticist um, explaining how he's he's aware that there has been parts of our genetics, you know, a genome that's been spliced and altered and what have you. And and saying he can't say that publicly because he'd be hung out to dry. Um, You know, we we also had that with Francis, uh, Dr. Francis Crick, who was co-founder of the DNA molecule, saying that he believed that, you know, that um, the seeds of life came in a spacecraft we've got the you know the the huge thing which is you know the missing link that we talk about from Cro-Magnon and and uh, Neanderthal going into Homo sapiens sapiens with no evidence of how that happened with twice the brain size and whatever and I talk about this in a chapter of my book you know the DNA anomalies and what we what appears to be that we are in some way intelligently designed and certainly the indigenous peoples talking about the gods the Dogon tribe talk about the Nomo that interfered with our genetics the Anunnaki from um, you know Sitchin talked about this the biblical scholar in the Sumerian text talks about the Anunnaki doing a similar thing and and with me I've got the experiential of that where you know I've, I've, I was told by a little eight-year-old girl that um, who talked to me over Skype from the US saying in her latest experience she was taken onto a planet where she was shown certain things and one of them was this um, what the, these extraterrestrials were doing was actually genetic manipulation of different species around the cosmos as well as plants and animals this is an eight-year-old girl telling me about genetic manipulation so it really is very hard to discount that when you know we know that there's also been skeletons found um, huge giant skeletons, et cetera, et cetera. There's the ones with the unusual skulls where they found fetuses with the same skulls. So it, it goes on, doesn't it? So for me, I think it's, it's, it's you know, QED, really. You know, I'm getting tired of repeating this in the past probably 20 interviews. Why is it that we see dinosaurs on our science books, but we don't see giants? And there's enough evidence, plethora of evidence, showing that giants roam the earth before. Yes, and, and everyone calls you a conspiracy, conspiracy theorist, don't they, when you start <laughs> right. saying um, anything to do with this. Um, I don't call it conspiracy theory. I call it conspiracy fact. The bottom line is that we know there's so much being hidden from us, from every level of knowledge, and that we've given an edited version of everything. 
um, it seems to me. And, and that is the, the biggest frustration of any researcher is you're trying to find the truth, but so much of the truth is being hidden. And the, the agendas behind, behind that, I think, are extremely complex. But, there, you know, that the, these anomalies are hidden from us and that there is a conspiracy to hide that kind of information. We know that there have been giants on this planet. The evidence is, is right across from what I call re renegade archaeologists that also know about this. We've got our own renegade archaeologist here in Australia that's found evidence of giants on this planet as well. So Rex Gilroy is his name. He's very well known and has written at least five or six books on the, the giants in Australia itself. Now, why do you think there is so much denial of, of UFOs and the extraterrestrial presence operating today? Are thousands of people just suffering from a mental disorder or are the powers that want to be covering the truth? And if so, why the conspiracy of truth? Oh, look, I, that's a, a very complex question. And it's one that I con constantly wonder why on earth the rest of, uh, you know, us as a species are not being told the truth by those that know that we we have an edited truth. I think there are many different reasons. Some of it's about control. Some of it is about allowing only um, a specialist, uh, you know, uh, uh, a elite few know the truth or whatever. But in terms of the UFO side of it, my understanding is that initially a lot of it was hidden primarily because they didn't know how people were going to react. They were afraid that people were going to panic if they found out that we were being visited in such a tangible way and have been, of course, through millennia. Um, when we look at the gods, I you know the gods, I believe, were all extraterrestrials visiting this planet anyway, and the indigenous peoples know that. But I think when they found these, this, the technologies, for example, technologies that would free us from fossil fuels, that would free us from um, many of the ways that money is made now, not only fossil fuels, but, you know, um, th through healing, uh, they, you know, healing technologies that would free us from things like cancer and what have you. This would have changed the status quo on this planet. And I think also that's part of the reason there are, the agendas are that there are elite few that want to keep the status quo as it is. So there's, you know, those are just some of the reasons why I think that it's, you know, there's been a truth embargo on that. Also, I think they wanted to find out exactly what was the agenda of these beings as well. They weren't sure of what they were. And this is one of the reasons why these covert agencies also um, abduct people. Um, and that's, you know, something called my lab, the yeah. military abductions. And the reason they do that is primarily to find out the information that those who've had experiences, um, what they do on the craft, what they learn on the craft, what the agendas of the beings are on the craft. And they have to make sure that people don't talk about it. So they, you know, they use lots of um, intimidation to keep them quiet. And, and I know how this must sound to so many people out there that are not used to this, this um Uh, understanding, but I came into this without having any knowledge of this at all. I mean, I'm, I came in as a, just a therapist and counselor that, you know, where people were finding me saying I'm having these extraordinary experiences, you know, either I'm crazy or if I'm not crazy, what on earth is going on? So I had no idea 20 years ago about any of this. And you, as you go down this rabbit hole, more and more of the complexity comes up. But I just think the truth embargo primarily is about control. It's also about the rest of humanity 
um, not being told because there are too many agendas behind it, such as if you have free energy, who's going to make the money after that? If you give everybody the ability to um, provide their own energy through these these technologies that are out there. Healing's another one. You know, if you've got technologies that were going to heal people um, without all the drugs um, and what have you, what on earth are the drug companies going to do? My goodness, they're not going to make any money. Um, so unfortunately, it's human greed. It's human power that is, is behind all of this. And whether you want to see that as a conspiracy theory or not, I'm sorry, but I'm rather sad about the way that we're being um, c controlled on this planet. And in fact, if I can do anything to make a, a difference or a change in that. But primarily, Mel, my biggest issue is the fact that these beautiful souls that are, that are sharing their stories and having children having these experiences are told there's something wrong with them, that they're, that, you know, that they're crazy or uh, even their own families and, and friends um, struggle to believe them, not because they don't love them, but because they don't know this is true, that this is real and this is going on. And people are being medicated and put into hospitals because the truth uh, of this truth embargo, that to me is the greatest of all the um, evils of this, if you like, is the discrimination against personal reality. And what you said is so true. If these beings are so advanced, they probably have conquered disease and energy. And what are our two biggest industries. Well, we have oil and we have pharma. And by the way, a defense contractor told me not too long ago in, in private, he said, by the way, number one is not energy anymore. Big pharma has overtaken the energy sector. A lot of people may not know that, but I, I, I tend to believe that that's the case, especially with the over-medication of children these days. Oh, uh, don't get me on that one. Um, but the thing that really I have discovered is that there is no doubt in my mind that uh, many of these different intelligences have a mandate to create new programs for humanity. And the, the, the fact is that we are, I believe, um, and, and this is just my hypothesis, and although I'm, I'm, t I'm talking to educators now, I'm talking to people within the field of these that are working with these programs, and what I'm talking about here is what metaphysicians call indigos, crystal children, um, children of light. Um, they're um, making, creating those labels to explain their behaviors and their awareness. What they're missing out um, and I call that the missing link, is that this has been orchestrated to a certain extent by these advanced intelligences that are working with um, genetic lines. So, you know, the parents have had experiences and often the grandparents and each is an upgrade to the, the new children coming in. But what I would add to that is ADHD, um, Asperger's, uh, dyslexia and certain forms of autism. And, you know, I know that's a very big, um, if you like, uh, thing to say, but it is only because of what I have found out and research talking to some of the professionals that work with ADHDs that, you know, teachers that have worked with those that have had certain types of autism, for example. And what we've discovered is that they appear to operate in a different way to the older models like myself, you know, the older homo sapiens. Um, and, and it is that 
the interesting thing is that they are not so easy to program and to program into 3D. And that, I believe, is, is the crux of it, is the idea that these, these, um, the way that I came to this, this, this understanding was I was wondering if we were being upgraded, as, as Dr. Roger Lear said many years ago to me when he was also taking out the implants from people who'd had experiences in his book, The Aliens and the Scalpel, he talked about the star children. And he said, I believe we're being upgraded by alien intervention in our bodies and minds. And he said that because he was looking at the developmental stages in children over 40 years and discovered that some of the uh, ways we were accelerated in development was, you know, through walking, talking, etc., was sometimes as much as 60 to 80 percent. And he didn't believe that that was due to just better diet, etc., etc. And through his research, I concurred with that because what I was seeing was the same, the same kind of thing. And when you get told, and, and this is something one of the um, ladies that is in both books, her name's Tracy Taylor, she's an experiencer, and she was told that the conscious awareness of these new babies was increasing to override the dominant conditioning and programming that occurs from birth in our normal situation. We're all programmed into our 3D reality. But she says the DNA of the new human has tenfold the amount of information, things such as telepathy, manipulation of time and space, nonverbal communication, our conscious abilities, and it's natural. Learning skills are more advanced and their molecular structure allows them, the cells of the body to vibrate faster. Everything's accelerated. When I looked at people that had had experiences and they talked about their children, they might have a child that was autistic. They may have a child that had ADHD or dyslexia, etc. And I thought, well, if they're being upgraded, how is it they're given, you know, this is what's happening. So is it really a dysfunction? Is it that or are we not understanding what is actually going on here? Um, and because it didn't make sense that they were not able to function so well. And one of the, the clues to that was when I was in Hong Kong and I talked to a wonderful uh, ufologist, Neil Gold, who, who is, is, um, he's in, when I met him, he was in his, his middle years and he said, Mary, I didn't find out I was ADHD till I was in my fifties. But he said, um, when I realized that I was ADHD, I, I was trying to work out what it was about being ADHD that was different. And he, he retranslates that into always dialed into higher dimensions. And he explained to me that, uh, you know, and he wrote in his book, Close Encounters of the ADHD um, Kind, he wrote, I'm not limited to the square, uh, being symptomatic of ADHD, I'm not limited to the square template of the universe. He said, I'm wired to the multidimensional universe. My internet browser can browse into chaos, be it on Earth or the multiverse, and I can perceive hidden layers of order and make sense of it. He says, most people don't have this supercharged browser. Um, they're focused towards convention or 3D reality. So, that is how he understands his ADHD, dialed into higher dimensions. What are we doing? We are dosing these children. We are dumbing them down so that they can be programmed into 3D. Whereas what we should be doing is trying to understand the new programs and assisting those new programs, realizing we're the old model 
um, and they're the new model. And that is why they struggle to be part of uh, part of this. What we've discovered with autism, for example, certain types of autism, those children being born with it, is that many of them are telepathic. And so what does this mean? It means that they tap into their parents' thoughts and everybody else's thoughts. They're taking all this input in and they're not managing very well because we're trying to put them into a 3D box and saying, look, you, this is how you see the you know, reality because this is what everybody else sees. But they're, they're not experiencing that. They're experiencing something that is multidimensional again. Um, I spoke to a, a mother who had a three-year-old child who was saying to me, Mary, my daughter's been telepathic since birth. I knew that she could read my mind and those around us. She says, but my biggest difficulty now, Mary, is that I have to watch my thoughts all the time because she's three <laughs> years old and she's continuing to know what I think. Now, this is, you know, what is this doing? This is forcing us now to watch and realize that our thoughts create you know, our experience and also how we have to think in a new, more loving, more caring way. So what I believe these are, are teaching us the old model, how to be in a new way to become more multidimensional. The same thing with Asperger's. Asperger's, uh, I spoke to an Asperger's gentleman many years ago, and he said, they say that we can't socialize. He said, that's not true, Mary. He said, with our own kind of Asperger's, we have no problem socializing. He said, but when we're forced with, with the, the, the faces of uh, social convention, where everybody pretends to be something they're not, he said, we have no time for that because it's false it isn't true it isn't honest it isn't real and so what they're what he's saying is you know this is aren't we all you know you go and you're in the supermarket how do you feel today oh good thank you and you might be ready you know almost at the point where you want to commit suicide but what are you going to say look i'm i'm good you know it's a nonsense so what these children i believe are doing is showing us a new way of opening up to our multidimensional nature but also taking us out of our 3d program reality and saying it's time now for us to evolve into a more aware species and thankfully i'm not the only one who believes that? I mean, I was talk. Um, I've got two wonderful molecular biologists that give their in in the, the chapter on uh, this subject, where you know about the D uh, DNA changing and what have you. Is both molecular biologists are saying the same thing, and one of them is Dr. William Brown, and what he said was um, the exponential increase in autistic, ADD, and indigo children have new genetic and neural architecture, which allows them to perceive the world in a multidimensional fashion. I believe research would show do dormant regions are being reintegrated into the biological systems, and this is occurring in all of us to produce expanded awareness. He says their brains work faster. They have access to more information in the beginning. In the classroom, learning's much faster. He believes they know what's being taught. He said the certain knowledge and information goes down to biomolecular level where sentient activity of the brain takes place in the atomic structure of the DNA. It's transgenerational information encoded in the DNA molecule and is able to produce savant-like savant characteristics. He believes that they're accessing the Akashic records of sorts in the DNA molecule. 
And he said, and as it as they awaken, more information is made available. He said, um, and this is exactly what Tracy Taylor was saying. And in a similar way, um, another molecular biologist scientist who's an experiencer, Dr. Lena Olson. So this is the chapter where two molecular biologists are basically saying the same thing, that we are now evolving into a new aware species of human, which I call the new human. This is also interesting because I know very successful people who who are ADHD and some who, unfortunately, when they were very young, were given Ritalin and their brains changed. But those who did not take any medication and who are now very successful, they tell me the same thing, you know, so that you have an idea, folks. It's almost like if you have a radio in every single station on at the same time or a TV with multiple channels playing at the same time. That's the way they operate. And also, people with Asperger, even my wife says that I'm probably undiagnosed Asperger because I sometimes start a project and I cannot do anything else until I finish it and you know mm. other things. But when I think of autism or Asperger, the first thing that comes to mind is vaccines. But another thought that comes to mind, which I do think you described it, could it be a defense mechanism these children come with in order to avoid the societal programming we all go through in school so that their mission can be accomplished. I believe that's the case. And what was, um, you know, you get these clues through your research. You know, you're constantly looking at joining dots or trying to join the dots and trying to understand. And I thought, well, if these beings are really upgrading us and providing us with autistic children, dyslexic, you know, um, ADHDs and what have you, how is that? you know, an upgrade unless you start to realize that we're the dysfunctional ones and they're not. And, and you know, what people don't realize is Nikola Tesla, this amazing, wonderful soul that was born in the last century, was autistic. Absolutely. He was also vegetarian. He, I think he invented something like, well, he had about 800 patents or whatever, and he got his information through visions. Well, a lot of these children get downloads of information, like, you know, the experiences, they are, they get the downloads, but they're also, you know, being taken to other places to be taught things. But regarding the programming, our present programming, one nine-year-old, um, a lovely young lady in Northern Europe, uh, I call her Kathy in the book, and she said to me, Mary, she said, going to school is the worst thing you can do with these new children. She said, because the school, pro the, the, the teaching and education programs the children out of their light. She said, and the teachers then just press the keys. Now, this is a, a nine-year-old explaining to me how damaging the programming is in our schools because it's not allowing us to expand our multidimensional side. It's only working with 3D, left brain, analytical, the analytical side. And it stops us working with that other side of ourselves that has the intuition, the awareness, you know, those sense of things, that, that connection to the matrix or the, the hologram that gives us all those insights because we think, oh, well, that's just imagination and we dismiss it instead of realizing that that's our other aspect 
that is actually making us whole. It's giving us all the in, extra information we can't access through 3D. Well, these children have a more natural way and, and are conscious of this. I mean, these children that, you know, in the first nine chapters of my book are ones that are conscious of where they come from. They talk about the planets of origin. They talk about their abilities um, of what they've come here to do. And I, uh, what was fascinating to me was I was talking to a gentleman in the U.S. And as I was speaking to him, he um, his son piped in and said, can I speak to Mary? He was all of nine years old at the time. And he said, I said, well, why do you want to, you know, why do you want to speak to me? And he said, well, it's because of your frequency. And then he proceeded to say that he knew he was from Orion, that he was working in um, time te t uh, travel technology, that he was a light physicist. And he said, I've come to this planet with that awareness. He said, unfortunately, a lot of the scientists here are very dumb. They still don't really understand true physics. And he said, the nearest to the, my understanding is Nikola Tesla. And he'd been asking his father to get as much information about Ni Nikola Tesla as possible. Now, what do you do with that kind of awareness when most of um, we treat our children as, you know, very limited humans and, and, and what have you? And yet, that uh, many of these children are coming in with the awareness of other planets. They've come from other planets, other solar systems. One 10-year-old told me he came through from a portal in the, uh, a portal in the sun. Um, the parents are saying, what do you do with this, Mary? What do you do with this information when this child is not even 10 years old and they're talking about wormholes and black holes and being shown genetic manipulation? And these are children all under, under 10 years old that are fully aware they've come in with abilities to assist this planet. And this is the kind of information that I've been getting and, you know, over a number of years. And it's from all over the planet from South America to Europe to Africa, you know, Northern Europe, Canada, Mexico. These children are coming in exponentially now with this kind of awareness. Well, we're lucky to have Mary Rotwell and, you know, we're still lucky to have Dr. Leo Sprinkle. We had uh, Dolores Cannon who, who left us not too long ago. But decades ago, if you had a, a, a child that started talking about all of this, and you didn't have people like Mary Rodwell, where would a parent go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist? And what would happen? Medication. Is this happening today with a lot of these children who believe that this is who they are, but parents are so close-minded that they think they're crazy? Look, um, some parents are really aware And what was wonderful is even some of the grandparents on the, in the second chapter of The New Human, I've got a, I talk about a, a grandmother who is a very aware that her grandchildren are these, this, these new awake humans and she supports them. She's there for them. Sometimes the parents are not aware as the grandparents are because remember, this is genetic, genetic, um, uh, lines that we're talking about. And sometimes, you know, the grandparents have been more accepting of themselves as they've got older, whereas the parents are still a bit afraid of it so you'll get some where say that look the pet you know my daughter doesn't realize she's got she's got a star kid for example um but i can see it as a grandmother 
um, and, and is supporting and uh, accepting them. But there are parents that have no idea what's going on with their children. And, and, and sometimes it's because the parents have been brought up in a very um, strong belief system. Um, I remember talking to, um, uh, in, in fact, she's, she's, she was a 15-year-old when I spoke to her and um, I was trying to get her to share with her parents. She said, but they came from a very orthodox Christian belief system. And she said, I can't tell them, Mary, that I'm a star seed and that I don't believe in what they believe in because it doesn't make any sense to me because none of it, it makes sense to me. That's not who we are. I know it's I'm different to that. And, and her biggest problem was that she couldn't share with her parents because of that very strong core religious belief. So some of the children get very desperate. Um, some of them, you know, I believe, you know, give up because they can't um, explain this. And again, we're looking at a society, and I do believe those behind the scenes know full well these children are coming in. I think they've known for a long time. And, and what do we have that dumbs people down? We know that fluoride is a neurotoxin, and yet they're still encouraging it, saying, oh, you're going to have good teeth, but maybe, you know, you're not going to have much of a brain at the end of it. Um, <laughs> or, or teeth. You know, <laughs> or, you know, whatever. Um, we've got the chemtrails, you know, We've got multiple vaccinations um, at, at, at ridiculously young ages, for example, that I can't believe in any way are, are necessary at that point in time. Although, I, you know, I ask people to look into that because it's really, really important that they, you know, realize what's going on. We've got... Um, you know, the food industry and how that's being manipulated, genetic GMO foods and what have you as well. Um, there's all these different things that are compromising these wonderful new individuals, these new children coming in. And believe me, I am certain that this is, you know, I'm, I, I don't think I'm any cleverer than anybody else. And if I can see this and, and the average, you know, person in the street can see this with their children and know it's, it's happening and are looking into these things, then you can bet your bottom dollar the powers that be that know this is affecting all of us on multiple levels and shutting us down. This is, you know, that what we're, you know, TV does it. It's all programming. And people really need to wake up and, and realize that this has to change. But I think these children coming in are going to be much harder to actually dumb down because they know what's truth. And, I, I you know, uh, that's one of the important things here is many of these children are telepathic. I remember a 13-year-old telling me many years ago in the, that when she's in the classroom, she said, it's very difficult for me, Mary. She said, because my teacher is saying one thing, but what she's thinking is something else. And what she's thinking sometimes isn't very nice. Now, you've got children in the classroom. Teachers, beware. Because these children, many of them, can know what's really going on with you. So you really need to be aware that many of them can tap into that. Um, and they can tap into these agendas. They know that, that we're being controlled. Just like this nine-year-old in Northern Europe knew what the programming was doing. She said, it programs you out of your light, is what she said about this, uh, the standard education that we're offering now. This is a nine-year-old fully aware of what's going on. And these children come with this already in place. I'm seeing more and more children displaying compassion, empathy, and other traits that I didn't see that much before. It's not that it didn't exist, but you see it so much more now. It's almost as if they're born with this data already embedded. What is causing the shift in human consciousness? And are these children born this way, or is it the environment they're growing up with, uh, in? 
Oh, um, I think that, you know, I, I always look at this from what I call uh, the level of soul, because when I work, I work with people um, who go back into past lives to different timelines, even parallel universes. So there's no limits to where I explore with my clients anyway. And what's fascinating is then when you are accessing the subconscious, superconscious aspect of someone, all sorts of amazing information is, un, you know, unfolds as Dolores Cannon, you know, was one of the pioneers of that, for example, and anyone that's working with hypnosis on a deeper level, you know, you are accessing that that higher awareness of an individual and what have you. So it is, you know, they talk about really agreeing to come into onto the planet at this particular time to help with what they know is an evolutionary shift in humanity. And Dr. Olson, who is, you know, a molecular biologist, she's also an experiencer and she calls them letter people. She's a letter person. She said um, to me that uh, regarding the new human, it's not so simple as foreign DNA. She said it's a combination of genetically improved bodies in combination with souls from different places in our universe, incarnating in these improved bodies. The souls have different frequencies and vibrations depending on their evolutionary status. And that plays a role in activation of the DNA in that particular body. And she says we also have to take into account the collective soul of Homo sapiens. So this is very complex. And what is fascinating is many of them are talking about the activation of DNA. And I know, I know for a lot of people... <laughs> This sounds extraordinary, um, but there are uh, so many people that have contacted me in the last few years that have gone from a 3D reality, a 3D lifestyle into awakening into a more holistic, transformative lifestyle where they are wanting to live more uh, rural lifestyles, simple lifestyles. They've lost their interest in materialism. They have uh, grown uh, uh, an absolute sensitivity to to the importance uh, and of life and of treating each other in, in a new way. Uh, many of them become absolutely obsessed with getting to the truth of things. And this is happening right across the board. You know, I'm talking to many um, professionals, scientists, lawyers, doctors, nurses that have had this transformation or this activation. And, you know, the evidence of that is one um, I actually talk about um, is a, a lady who's a medical doctor um, who is in Australia that I met last year. And she had an activation in India after a, a very sad experience with losing her four-year-old son to a tragic accident. And through that, she went and was exploring her, her spiritual self and uh, had this activation where now she works as a shamanic healer working with activating the DNA. So here we've got a 3D medical doctor who has a transformative activation in herself that changes her whole philosophy, awareness, the way she lives, her understanding, and now works with people in this multidimensional way. Her story is quite incredible, but she's one of many now that are literally changed through either having a UFO ET encounter some of them are having it through a kundalini awakening. Some of them are ha having it through a shamanic awakening. For some, 40% of people have had um, their interactions with ex extraterrestrials after a near-death experience, for example. So it really depends. It doesn't have to be through UFOs. It doesn't have to be through extraterrestrials that that catalyst 
or trigger happens, it can be through another life experience that's so profound that it shifts the awareness into their multidimensional um, consciousness and everything changes for them, including the ability to communicate not only with spirits and, you know, some elementals, some see fairies, some see non-human intelligences are all part of that dimensional awareness or frequency. It's not separate. It's actually all in the same part, uh, package, I call it, of human consciousness. I always say that if disclosure ever happens, it won't come from a government leader. True disclosure, that is, disclosure will come from the ground up. What do you think about that? I agree absolutely because there's too much for them to um, lose by coming out because how can you explain to the mainstream public that you've hidden technologies that that um, that would mean that we didn't need fossil fuels for the last 70 years, for example, um, that have been destroying our planet and causing so much pollution on this planet? What do you think the public wants to do with people that have done that? That's just one thing. Look at the people that have died from these illnesses like cancer and what have you. If you know there's technologies out there that could heal them, for example, you know, can you imagine the people that have lost people through cancer and, and these other illnesses that know there was a possibility that they could have been healed, et cetera, et cetera. So, no, they've got too much invested in not coming out of the, the closet. But what is happening here is that many, many now um, that were very concerned about coming out and, and explaining that this is their true reality are, are almost being um, catapulted into it through their experiences. One of them is Dr. Olson, Dr. Lena Olson, who um, had had these experiences all her life, knew that this was a reality, uh, um, but living in a country where this is very suppressed and where people think there's seriously something seriously wrong with you if you come out and, and say you're having these experiences. I mean, she's a scientist, a professional was given a message by one of the beings through an instant healing. Am I supposed to now talk about this? And she had an instant healing at that moment, which was, yes, now is time to come. I call it calling out, coming out of the space closet. So here is someone who's a scientist who's now done that. And it's happening exponentially. There are more and more people now coming out and saying, this is my reality. And I think that it's like everything else is going to come a point where enough people, credible people that are coming out of the, the, the space closet, like this uh, medical doctor, for example, and others, um, that I've got a minister of religion of, who'd been a, a Christian minister for 40 years who finally has said, Mary, I've got to own my truth, that I've known about my, my contacts with extraterrestrials. I am very aware of past lives. And here am I. I've been speaking about um, this, the dogma of the Christian church and knowing all along that it was greater than that. It was bigger than that. And I am now coming out of the, the closet as well. Brave, courageous souls that are actually doing this because they know that it's time for this to be exposed. And and what more, more powerful than that? If enough people come out, then you're going to give courage to those that have been perhaps not quite sure or afraid um, to, to come out as well. It, it is the kind of energy that feeds on itself. And that's how I see it, literally as disclosure from the ground up. And I think this is one of the most difficult things for you, for me, for other people who are into the searching the truth, researching what is really happening in our present, in our past, because as you know, our culture, our history has been edited to benefit a few. 
But when you do these kinds of shows and you discover that there are cures for cancer or there are other ways to live, there are, there's free energy, when you come out of your on a daily life and you go to the bank or the store and you see most people buying diet products or you know consuming things that are going to kill them, you want to go and grab them and shake them and say, stop it. But you can't. How do you deal with it, especially people who have discovered like this gentleman who was programmed with, and no offense to anybody who still wants to be religious, a man-made concept, but those of us who are outside of that, who have evolved past superstition, how do you deal with that? I've actually, it's been a big one for me because I was brought up as a Catholic and it took me many years to work out. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, and I was a good Catholic girl, mass every Sunday, you know. Um, I was an altar whole... boy for 10 years. There you go. Um, I was the child of Mary. I went to a convent and I was very spiritual. Um, and for a number of years, that was what I, you know, I brought up my children in the same way. But when you start exploring that and you start going into more depth into the belief system and the origins of it and what have you, then it starts to open your eyes to how a lot of this has been manipulated and whatever. So I've actually got a very challenging chapter called the God chapter. Um, it's all about cosmic consciousness. And it's it's a, about the fact that how many religions and how they interpret people who have extraterrestrial encounters, because I'm meeting so many that have been, you know, programmed into a belief system and programmed to believe that if they're clairvoyant or clairaudient or they start to hear messages or whatever, it's it's bound to be demons or it's bound to be dev- the devil or whatever. And they're terrified. They're absolutely terrified. So what do you do? And they'll come to me and say, but I get this information and, I'm, I, you know, it must be the devil. And they, they, they shut down as much as they possibly can. Hmm. And, and the, the sadness is that, you know, they often will go and, and talk about this to either their priest or their, you know, their minister and what have you. And depending on the, the awareness of the priest or the minister, again, they're going to get a similar message, um, you know, that it's demons or it's whatever. The Catholic Church is, as, as it usually does, stands on the fence quite nicely. And Monsignor Badushi, who, um, who passed away a few years ago now, he was one that was a demonologist. And he said that this is not demonology and this is not a psychological illness. This is a real, it's a real experience. And, um, in fact, several of the popes have talked about aliens as being our space brothers and that they would, they would baptize them if there was such a thing or whatever. Interestingly, in Buddhism, um, the Dalai Lama talks about, you know, the space brothers and that we should treat them in the same way we treat one another with love and kindness and whatever. But there are some religions, um, Jehovah Witnesses, one of them where I actually met um, a couple of Jehovah Witnesses um, one day and um, I was actually really busy. So I said, look, I help people who believe they have experiences with aliens, uh, thinking that that would be the end of the story. But one of them piped up to me and said, well, I've had experiences like that. He says, and it's all demons and it's in the Bible. So we spent the next hour discussing the alternate perspectives. Um, he was not going to change his mind about how he believed his experiences were all demonology. And I have actually had emails from a number of people from a very, um, you know, Christian belief system that have said to me that I'm dealing with demons or whatever. Um, and, and that's where I'm challenging the religious fraternity and saying, look, 
you've got to start looking at this and you've got to start realizing many people are having these experiences. So what is your response to that? How are you going to help them rather than scare the living daylights out of them, which obviously in some some religious um, uh, churches, that is how they're going to interpret them. This the, the two Christian ministers, one's a Reverend Carter, who is lovely, who's written two books on his understanding of ET encounters from his own. He had an, a wonderful healing, for example example, through his experience with extraterrestrials and has written two wonderful books about how to reinterpret the Bible, bringing in that mandate, for example. And the other one is this minister in Australia who, who said his understanding of God is completely different now to the way that he was uh, taught at the theological college and what he's been preaching for all these. So it's, it's, what it's, it's fascinating that the reverse of that, in a sense, was a, a young man from India who wrote to me. And he said, my problem is, Mary, that I am aware I'm a starseed. He said, I've, I've known it most of my life. He said, but my problem is with my culture because they see all the extraterrestrials as gods and they worship them. And he said, and I can't handle that because it's not true. Um, so his problem is being in a culture where anyone who's intuitive, it's absolutely the opposite. They just see them as gods and they all get worshipped and he knows that they're E.T. <laughs> so um, I write these kinds of stories in that chapter to give people a broader perspective of are your core beliefs limiting the way that you're understanding your experiences? Can you start looking at them from what you feel, what you sense, rather than other people's interpretation from their core beliefs? Because I call it that we're living in a reality dysfunction. That, you know, ultimately we have been programmed into an inaccurate reality, a reality that actually limits us into our 3D left brain um, cognitive aspect. You know, unless you can feel it, see it, touch it, hear it, smell it, it ain't real. Whereas we've now got to realize that our right brain multidimensional side is actually giving us the understanding of our multidimensional ability to tap into the hologram of consciousness, which is part of, you know, how we're, you know, I believe we're meant to operate in concert with both, not shutting one side down because we can't trust it. In fact, that's giving us the answers, you know, the 3D can't. And yet everything in education is about analyzing logic 3D and and basically getting you to deny anything that you have a knowing of or a sensing of or a feeling of and dismissing it saying oh well that must be my imagination you know um, and and that is the problem is that we dismiss the very information that gives us a, a, a broader perspective or a greater perspective of who we are and how we operate which um, unfortunately at the moment 3D can't do that. I remember a few years ago, there was a TV series. Well, it was from the 80s, but they made it new in the in, in, four or five years ago called V. I don't know if you saw mm. it. Yes. But basically, I don't know if you remember this part, but when the priest in the Catholic Church found out that the visitors were coming, they were very concerned. And their concern was that the congregation was going to offer devotion to the visitors and not to the church. I mean, that changed afterwards, but, uh, you know, I wonder if this is becoming so mainstream now that it's one of those things, if you can't beat them, join them. Oh, um, I, I th look, 
Um, I've got a real problem with anything that is programmed into us without getting us to question. And unfortunately, uh, what happens with religion, as it does, even with some of the sciences now, as soon as you Science start, is dogma. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all become dogma. It, you're not allowed to question anymore in anything virtually. And yet until we question, we can't actually get um, an expanded understanding of what's, what's actually going on. And it's in every field. Every field, there's, there's a, a caveat on how much we're told or how much we need to know whether or not it's to, through in medicine, whether or not it's in archaeology, anthropology. Um, right across the board into science, um, into even, you know, the uh, spirituality, you know, you've got to keep in within certain rules. And to give you an example of that, I've been, you know, o often asked to speak at spiritualist churches. Now, for, um, in, for many people, spiritualism is one where you're honoring the multidimensional side of our, our, our awareness through, you know, seeing spirits, seeing energy fields, um, interacting with different intelligences and what have you. But I've met spiritualists that have come to me being quite distressed because they've said that in their, when they try and say they're not just seeing spirits of those that have passed on, they're seeing extraterrestrials, you know, a blue being with black eyes and the rest of the spiritualist group, you know, um, actually give them a hard time saying that's not good or that's not okay or you can't be seeing that. So even in, the, in something that is apparently more open, there seems to be, the, you know, the, the container that you can't go beyond these boundaries. You can't be go beyond these boundaries. And this is our problem, is that the belief systems that are on this planet hold you in a container rather than allow you to think, well, this is possible. When I spoke to this nine-year-old girl and she was talking about human beings being the most amazing, um, we have, she said, so much potential. We haven't even begun to understand our potential, she said, and what we can do. She said, but we've got to believe it first. Belief is the limiter. As soon as you come into a belief, that actually then contains you. And what I, I've actually written in my conclusion is, as much as possible, can we clear the decks of all those things that we previously believed and just allow ourselves to be open to experience and to, uh, um, in terms of how we perceive things, be open to possibilities because those possibilities may be far more possible than we've ever believed. And these children, they know things are possible. When I talked to this, um, it was, she was, I think, another eight-year-old girl who wanted to tell me about an experience where she'd been taken by some beings to, the pla to a, a particular planet where she came from. She called them her fairies. And she said they taught her how to levitate. They told, taught her how to use her third eye and use her abilities. And she said, I can control elements. Uh, I said, what do you mean? She said, the element of the wind and clouds. And she said, I know how to control that. And I found that very fascinating. And whether or not, you know, I haven't had proof of that. But it's interesting, I was speaking um, on email only a few days ago to a lady who's been having experiences all her life in Mexico, and she said to me, I have the ability to control the elements. One of them specifically is the wind and clouds, exactly the same as this eight-year-old had told me not so long ago. Now, you get this kind of thing happening time and time again. I, I don't know. All I know is that when I get information, I can't dismiss it, even though it may be 
appear to be extremely way out at, at a particular time. But now I've learned to be very careful about what I dismiss. And I'll put it in a little box and think to myself, well, if I get any more information like that, I'm going to have to look at that again because maybe it's something else. And I always say you don't know what you don't know. And, and that keeps me open to possibilities because I think this is what we're being challenged to do. And this is what I try to convey to people sometimes. I have those who have a very out there story that they can't prove to me, but I still want to listen. And I tell the people all the time, why can't you just put it in your I'll entertain it bucket until I have further proof? But why throw it out completely if you can't prove it otherwise? That's a, such a, um, a wise thing, Mel. And I think, you, you know, that's the conclusion that I came to because things that I thought were way out, even five or ten years ago, now I'm having more and more proof that that could very well be true. Um, and it's, it's amazing as we evolve and open up, you know, when people go into hypnosis, that opens you up to all sorts of possibilities from people who've experienced um, other lifetimes on other planets, lifetimes where they, uh, they will see themselves still existing in other lives on in other realities, for example, or in different timelines. How, who am I to say that's not a reality? If for them in that experience, that's how they're understanding it and they'll come out of it and say well what that's how can I believe that and I'm saying well you said it you know now you've got to decide whether or not that resonates with you on some level and why are we so limited how do we um, actually limit ourselves when if that's a part of you saying that when I hear a eight-year-old tell me that when he goes up on the spacecraft he sometimes evaporates into a manted being um, and uh, with the consciousness of a mantid and then comes back into his human um, form again, evaporating, in other words, his consciousness going into that form. This is an eight-year-old explaining what the soul can do, the consciousness of who we are can do. You know, where does an eight-year-old get something like that? It, you know, it, it's, it is actually, to me, that is more profound and more credible because, you know, Children under 10, what do they read about this? You know, they don't see talk shows. They don't read books on this. And here they're coming out with profound information that they've got no way of knowing unless and it's a, an intrinsic understanding that is part of them that they're bringing in with them. Who or what is behind these children being born this way? And, and what is the goal? I think there's many goals and I think it's meant and there's many programs. But what I'm getting from those that are having experiences, both adults and children, that they've come in to help with what we call a shift in consciousness of humanity, that, that, that we're, we're um, actually evolving into a new aware species. Dr. Olson talks about it this way. She said, we're separating out into two frequencies, low frequency people and high frequency people, almost polarities. And she said, and the soul makes a choice whether to stay within 3D or whether in fact now to expand their consciousness and their awareness into a new species, as I call it, the new human, where we are awakening to our heritage, to, to who we really are and our connection to the many beings that are interacting with us because we have their DNA. Um, you know, Command Sergeant Robert Dean, uh, um, who retired, who believes and has spoken about being on the craft for six weeks at one time was shown by the beings that there were at least 12 different species of, of uh, DNA 
in in human DNA and that what it appears is happening is that we are tapping more to our genetic heritage so that people are talking about, I I feel I'm a hybrid or they feel they've got dual consciousness or they'll say I'm a Pleiadian or I come from Arcturus or I'm coming from Orion or I'm one of a mix of different ones. Um, What this 16-year-old young man told me was that is because we are now, um, our frequency is rising to a point where we're tapping and resonating with that part of our DNA that's extraterrestrial. And with that, we're getting the ability Abilities and the awareness that belongs to those species. And that's how he is uh, um, talking about the hybrids and how we are actually now evolving to become more aware of who we are. Bob Dean, I have to make contact with him. I know he's still with us, uh, but he's been kind of withdrawn because of age. But I, I hope that everything's well with him at this point. Now, I mentioned empathy and compassion as some of the these children, you know, traits. But what are other qualities and abilities possessed by these new humans? Well, Dr. Olson, noticing as a scientist herself, she said that they have above normal sensory cells for pressure in the skin, for example. They hear a broader spectrum of sound, you know, above and below normal range. They're aware of minute differences in shades of color than the normal range. Taste and smell are enhanced. They're sensitive to frequencies and can, and can feel overwhelmed at times by sensory overload, which will explain again some of these other programs. They're sensitive to radioactive radiation, energy fields, energies beaming from uh, uh, emotional people, um, as well as emotions such as love and happiness. Um, she said they, you know, they have to learn to focus in their own energy field so they're less prone to get ill from their surroundings. So these are some of the sensitivities they have. But they have many, many other qualities. For example, I'm just looking um, – They have superior mental and analytical capabilities. They have direct con uh, connection to higher awareness, extreme sensitivity to thought and emotion, enhanced DNA, photographic memories, fast motor neuron responses. They can manipulate time and space, and they have um, abilities for nonverbal communication. But there's many more. I list a whole host of different abilities that they have in terms of being able to access truth. They, they'll know by looking at you what kind of person you are. Like this nine-year-old said, he was prepared to talk to me because of my frequency. So he's not looking because he thinks I'm a nice-looking middle-aged lady. He's feeling and sensing whether I can, um, I can understand and be compatible with his information and, and feel safe with his information, for example. So we're going to have to be really aware of what we're projecting and, and what we're thinking because these children now can understand all of that. They just know truth. They know, for example, all sorts of things they've told me that they're aware of what's going on on the planet. They're aware of how we're manipulated. They're aware of a, a whole range of things that are happening to shut them down. So, so in a sense, the, those, the powers that be are going to be really in for a tough time no matter what they're doing to shut them down. These kids are aware of it and many of them can avoid those kinds of protocols. So it is changing. And, you know, for anyone who's feeling very down or, or lacking in confidence of this, no matter what they may feel, ultimately, I believe these children have the awareness to transcend anything that's thrown at them. And we have to take our 
one and only break before we begin the second hour. But before we break, Mary, you have been at this for decades, and and I was honored and privileged to meet you in in person a few times in the past. I remember you sharing some of the stories of people you have interviewed and even hypnotically regressed in the new book. And by the way, you were sitting next to Dolores Cannon the last time I saw you. In the new book, you have compiled a lot of these stories. And we'll discuss these stories when we come back in the member section. Mary, how can people buy the new book, The New Human, Awakening to Our Cosmic Heritage? In Australia, they can write directly to me and get a signed copy. Or if it's overseas, then through Amazon and a lot of the book distributors like Barnes & Noble and what have you. But it's it's fully available um, from these, these distri- distributors. So it's very, very easy. And folks, I love to hear testimonials. And a lot of these stories, you're going to be fascinated by them. So I hope you can join me in the member section. This is Mel Fabregas. Delighted to be here with my friend Mary Rutwell, directly from Australia. Don't go anywhere. Thanks for listening to part one of this very important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest, head on over to the member section or subscribe at VeritasRadio.com. You don't want to miss the rest. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store where you can find great products like pure organic sulfur, rebounders, turmeric, and other great supplements. Thank you.